Thank you for joining us for the Tucson Baptist Church podcast with Pastor Brent Armstrong. This podcast features the messages from the teaching and preaching ministry at our church. Tucson Baptist Church is located in Tucson, Arizona, and we are committed to loving God, growing together, and reaching our community. If you would like to learn more about our ministry, please visit TucsonBaptist.com. We pray that today's message is an encouragement to you. Please take your Bibles, go to Revelation chapter number 12 this morning. Revelation chapter number 12. Uh, Ushers are making their way through the congregation. If you did not receive uh, the handout, please feel free to raise your hand. They would love to put one in your hand. Make sure everyone could follow along with the message this morning. Revelation chapter number 12. One of the great encouragers in our church is a man by the name of Don Booth. He's not often able to be in church because of health, but he's here today. So Don, good to see you in church today. Thank you so much for being able to be here. Uh, Often a sign uh, uh, of the health of a church is not so much in what you can see, but what you can't see. What do I mean by that? Uh, I was told just before I came up here this morning that in our three and four-year-olds, which you can't see, we have 27 in there this morning. Anyone want to go work in the three and four-year-olds this morning? Uh, uh, That is so exciting that our nursery's full, our children's ministry's full, and our auditorium's full here in August. I'm thankful that you are here. We um, have folks who are visiting, and so we're preaching what we call expository preaching. We're preaching through the book of Revelation, going verse by verse, uh, line by line, word by word, where necessary. And you just happen to be here. We're in Revelation chapter 12, and we'll go as long as our time permits this morning. I trust this will be a help to you as we try to un- uh, uh, as we try to open and then just uh, explain what the Word of God is saying when it comes to this topic of prophecy. We're all in by prophecy, what is going to happen? Well, let me just say this. We know the United States of America is not in the book of Revelation, right? It's not there. And since the uh, United States uh, is not in the book of Revelation, we know that in prophetic times, um, something's going to happen. The United States is not going to be a major player. And uh, I think that the day and age which we're living, we're, see, we're physically seeing the United States less and less becoming a major player. Our country is being destroyed from within. And, uh, and so, folks, we need to have our eyes ready, looking for Jesus to come back. I believe he could come back at any moment. We are intrigued by that. We'll say amen by that. But the reality is, is that if Jesus were to come back today, would you be ready? Would you be ready? Would you be anxious? Would you be ashamed? Would you be like, I can't believe it. He's finally back and enthusiastic. Or would it be, oh no, it really is true that Jesus could come back. We must live our life as if Jesus could come back today. And it will change how you live your life. May I reiterate this morning that these are dangerous days in which we live. The the storm clouds are gathering. How appropriate with what we've had over the last few days right here in Tucson. A storm is about to descend on planet Earth. The lightning is flashing and the lightning rod is none other than the nation called Israel. 
We love, we love the United States. We, we, we're, we're proud that, that we're from the United States, but make no mistake, the end time is going to be about a little plot of land in the Middle East where Israel resides today. In fact, if you were to open the front page of your newspaper, you were to look on the internet, uh, or whatever is trending on Twitter, you will often find mention of Israel and things that are going on in Israel. And as Bible believing Christians, we cannot deny, we cannot ignore the significance of the nation of Israel. And by the way, if any politician ever says that they have a problem with Israel and and they would try to do something to get rid of the nation of Israel, I'm going to run from that politician. I'm going to support those who love Israel. But I've also met people who call themselves Christians who have distanced themselves from Israel. Folks, I love Israel. I love the people of Israel. I want to support and help the nation of Israel because I understand that when I read Bible prophecy, Israel is included in all of Bible prophecy. So our text this morning is found in the book of Revelation chapter number 12. And I want to tell you that the eyes of the entire world today, right now, are looking at this plot of land where the nation of Israel has her people. Uh, The Jews and Israel, they're the people and they are the land of destiny. I want us to be reminded of that this morning. As the Jew goes, so goes the world. Israel is, is God's yardstick. Israel is God's measuring rod. Israel is God's blueprint. Israel is God's program for what he is doing in this world. I'd like to read the first six verses uh, of the book of Revelation chapter number 12. I'll read the three odd verses. You'll join with me in congregational reading as you do a responsive reading, reading verses two, four, and six. Let's read this together. And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman. There it is, there, that's what the Bible says. There is a great wonder in heaven and she is a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet and upon her head a crown of 12 stars. And there appeared another wonder in heaven. And behold, a great red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his heads. And she brought forth a man-child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up unto God and to his throne. Father, help us to understand this passage of Scripture. It's language that we're not accustomed to. And we often read through this and we simply don't understand. So, Father, would you allow my words to be able to explain, my words to be able to encourage from this passage of Scripture in Jesus' name. Amen. I think it's appropriate to ask this question. Has God turned his back on Israel? 
has God forgotten about Israel? Has God somehow abrogated the promises that he made that we know that are back in the book of Genesis that he made to Abraham, Isaac, and, and to Jacob? Indeed not, absolutely not. The passage that we have before us this morning deals directly with the nation of Israel. And therefore, I've entitled this morning's message, Israel, the line in the sand. And every one of you, you stand on one side of that line. I wonder which side do you stand on? Israel, the line in the sand. And in our passage scripture, there are five undeniable truths regarding the nation of Israel that comes out of Revelation chapter number 12. And I want to share as many as possible with you this morning. And if we need to, we'll finish this up next week. But I just, my heart is full. I, 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 the more I study this, the more I learn and the more I want to share with you. Here's undeniable truth. Number one, Israel is highly favored by God. Israel is highly favored by God. In verse 1 and 2, we read, And there appeared a great wonder in heaven. Verse 2, And she being with child cried, travailing at birth and pain to be delivered. I ask you, and we read through this, and we check this off that I've read my devotions, I've read Revelation chapter 12, but I ask you, have you ever stopped to think, who is this wonder woman? Who is this great sign, or what is this great sign? Uh, what is this wonder in heaven that verse one and two talk about? Well, I, let me tell you what it's not. It's not the Virgin Mary. The things that are spoken of here in this passage of scripture could not possibly be speaking of the Virgin Mary. In the flesh, we know that Mary, she gave birth to the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says she's to be honored among all women, but these two verses do not speak about the Virgin Mary. Well, somebody says, uh, well, perhaps this Wonder Woman, this sign is speaking about the church. No, the Bible says here, this woman gives birth to Jesus and the Bible says that Jesus gave birth to the church. So this is not the church. This wonder woman in verse number one is none other than the nation of Israel. So that we're clear on that, we are specifically talking this morning about the nation of Israel. And I wanna show you uh, that we're speaking here of Israel from the word of God. For example, when God gave Joseph a prophecy back in Genesis chapter 37 and verse number nine, uh, Israel is described with these elements, 12 stars, the sun, and the moon. Let me read it to you. It speaks of Joseph and it says this, and he dreamed yet another dream and told it his brethren and said, behold, I've dreamed a dream more. And behold, the sun and the, and the moon and the 11 stars made obeisance to me. Now he was the 12th star, the sun, the moon, and the 12 stars, and all of this is Jewish in its significance. In the Old Testament, Israel is, is spoken of as the, uh, as the wife of Jehovah. In Isaiah 54, in verse number five, God is speaking to Israel, and he says this, for thy maker is thine husband. The Lord of hosts is his name. And thy redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, the God of the whole earth shall be, shall he be called. God says to Israel, I'm married to you. There's this, uh, there's this undeniable bond. 
Jesus, he came from the, from the nation of Israel. Sorry about that. I have no idea what just happened. But you're awake now if you were sleeping. So uh, uh, Jesus, he came from the nation of Israel. Um, and, and here's the key. Uh, this is found in Romans chapter number 9, verse 4 and 5. Paul, he's talking about his concern for the nation of Israel. And he talks about the Jews. And, and he describes them who are Israelites, to whom pertaineth the adoption and the glory and the covenants and the giving of the law and the service of God and the promises. Whose are the fathers and of whom concerning the flesh Christ came, who is over all. God bless forever. Amen. What is Paul saying here in this passage? Paul is saying that Israel gave us the Messiah. Israel gave Jesus to the world. And by the way, I'm, I thank God for that this morning. What I'm saying this morning is that Israel is highly favored by God. Israel is a God ordained. Israel is a God called. Israel is a God protected. And Israel is a God blessed nation. And may we never forget that. May we never chafe against that. Why did God call and ordain Israel? To make them a blessing alone? No, absolutely not that through Israel all the world would be blessed I go back to Genesis chapter 12 the Bible is speaking about Abraham and God is saying Abraham I'm going to make a great nation of you and here's what God said and I will bless them that bless thee and I will curse them that curseth thee and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed I stand here today blessed because of Israel. Uh, folks, if you have a Bible in your hand, would you just put that up for just a moment? You have a Bible in your hand or your iPad or your phone or whatever, but you have a Bible. May I tell you that this Bible is a Jewish book? You hold a Jewish book in your lap this morning. Uh, I serve a Jewish Messiah, and his name is the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and God has made Abraham a blessing to all the nations of the world. I want to tell you, you are very foolish and on shaky and dangerous ground if you were to pronounce a curse against the nation of Israel. And I'll tell you something else. When you, and, uh, when you bless what God has blessed, and when you love what God has loved, God's going to bless you. It's a great secret. We learn more of Israel being highly favored in Deuteronomy chapter 7 and verse 6. God said to Israel, For thou art a holy people unto the Lord thy God. The Lord thy God hath chosen thee to be a special people unto himself above all people that are upon the face of the earth. Now, I'm only aware of one Jew that's among us today. And there could be more. I'm only aware of one. That means the rest of us were Gentiles. And we can't chafe under that. We, what we have to say is this, that I am here worshiping today because of the freedom that was found through the Lord Jesus Christ, who is a Jew. And so uh, I don't think we should ever curse or bemoan Israel. We should all be wise to bless and never curse or, or badmouth Israel. Bible-believing Christians, we should pray for. We should love the nation of Israel. It is a highly favored nation by God. Here's truth number two. Just as Israel is a highly favored nation we also learn from this passage of scripture that Israel is a hated foe 
of Satan. Israel is hated enemy, a hated foe of Satan. To the degree that Israel is highly favored by, highly favored by God, by the same degree, Israel is a hated foe of Satan. Notice again in our text in verse number three, and there appeared another wonder in heaven. And behold, a great red dragon. So you have a wonder woman, in verse number one, in verse number three, you have a dreadful dragon. Now, so that you understand the remainder of the message, let me help you. We are talking about symbolism, symbols that God is using to explain what's gonna happen. And so this symbolism, I'll do my best to explain. But we have to understand that going into this. This is symbolism. But listen as we continue. And there appeared another wonder. And it talks about the great red dragon. In verse number four, it talks about he had a tail and it drew the third part of the stars of heaven. And verse number five, and she brought forth a, a, a man child. Who is this dreadful dragon? Who is this ferocious one who's so strong and yet so cruel? My friend, the great red dragon is none other than Satan himself. The dragon in the book of Revelation is the devil himself. He is a murderer. He has heads, he has horns, he has crowns. May I remind you, they are all symbolic. Look again, he has seven heads. Seven, you know, is the number of fullness or perfection or completion. It speaks of his diabolical power and his wisdom. The Bible says he has 10 horns. Horns in the Bible refers to the prophecy of power. So when you put seven and you put ten together you it speaks of the power the amazing complete authoritative power of the great red dragon it speaks of his earthly power and we find out here that satan is the ultimate rebel uh, he has a, a tail so long that a tail that sweeps a third of the stars from heaven what in the world is he talking about i'm so new to this i'm i i don't even understand my bible and you're talking about a red dragon and he has a long tail and he and he and he takes stars out of the heaven what are you talking about what are these stars these are not the literal stars you have to have a knowledge of the Old Testament to understand this portion of the New Testament. These stars are the angels that rebelled with Satan and we, we learned this from an Old Testament book in Isaiah chapter number 14. You remember Satan, he leads a rebellion in heaven. God records that for our understanding. By the way, if we did not have Isaiah chapter 14, it would be really hard to understand Revelation chapter 12. But because we have Isaiah chapter 14, Here's the story. Satan, created by God, he was not the brother of Jesus, right? He was created by God. He is a created being. He rises up in rebellion and he says, I'm too wise. He said, uh, hey, he said, I'm too strong. I'm too glorious. I'm too mighty to be anything less than God. I'm going to exalt my throne above the stars of God. And with that, uh, God cast him, put a curse on him. But 
a third of the heaven followed him. And no sooner had he unsheathed his sword of rebellion uh, uh, than the thunders of Jehovah's wrath, it rolled through heaven. That must have been an, an incredible time period. Satan was judged. He was cast out. He fell to this earth. And one third of the angels of heaven came to earth with him. Uh, does that bother you? Well, let me remind you of something. That means two thirds were left. And that means there's still two good angels for every one bad angel. But Satan is a rebel. Satan fell. He took with him a third of the host of heaven called fallen angels. We now refer to those as demons. And he is bringing them to hell. May I remind you, hell is the destiny of Satan and his demons. And that's what Jesus taught. In Matthew chapter number 25 and verse 41, Jesus speaks of those who are going to be judged in that final day. Then shall he say unto also unto them on the left hand, depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire. Now listen. Listen to this. If you're marking your Bibles or you're taking notes, prepared for the devil and his angels. I ask you a logical question. Was hell ever prepared for mankind? It was not. God did not make hell for you. God made hell for the devil and for the devil's angels. And one third of the stars of heaven that fell, they're going to be brought down to the lowest hell. Hell was prepared for the devil and his angels. And that tells me this this morning. If you die without Christ and you go to hell and you reject Jesus, and if you go to hell, friend, let me just tell you this. You're an intruder into hell. It was not made for you. But if you choose to follow Satan and you choose not to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, destiny will be made in a place called hell for you. I beg you to trust Christ today. The Bible says now these angels, they've fallen and they've gone down to a very low pit. But now I want you to notice while Satan has a war with Israel, his ultimate war is with the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice again with me in Revelation chapter 12 and verse number four. And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven and did cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before who? The woman. The woman we've already identified is none other than what? Israel. Thank you so much. You're paying attention so well. The, the wonder woman here in verse number one is none else than the nation of Israel. And in verse number four, we learn that the devil and the nation of Israel are going to confront each other. Uh, the Lord Jesus Christ is her child. Remember that Jesus Christ was born out of the nation of Israel, right? To the virgin Mary, we know that. She came from the line and lineage of Israel. So the Lord Jesus Christ, what does Satan want to do? He wants to engulf the Lord Jesus Christ. He wants to destroy the Lord Jesus Christ. Satan's ultimate war against is against Jesus Christ. This is why he moved Herod to murder all the little baby boys to and under. Why is that? He's trying to devour the child as soon as the child is born. He was unsuccessful but he could not stop the plan of God and so therefore in verse number five and she brought forth a man child who was to rule all the nations with a rod of iron and her child was caught up into God and to his throne Jesus Christ 
came. The Bible just proves that. If you ever wonder, Jesus Christ came. He's now back in heaven. He was born, lived a perfect life. He lived a sinless life. He died on the cross. He was buried. He walked out of that uh, tomb, a victorious Savior. He's ascended into the high hills of glory. Living, he loved me. Dying, he saved me. Buried, he carried my sins far away. Rising, he justified freely forever, I say. And one day, bless God, he's coming again. The Lord Jesus, however, here at Revelation chapter 12, we find Israel as the hated foe of Satan. I'd like to take a few minutes to speak with you directly, succinctly, as transparently as I know how about Satan. Before I do that, may I have all parents look up this way? You've got a child. Please listen. We trifle, we allow our children to mess with demonic things. Oh, pastor, that is absolutely not true. I would never do that. Satan and his third of heaven demons know how to infiltrate movies, television programs, social media, and they are influencing your children. And I want you to know no disrespect to the person who has the highest IQ in this room, and it's certainly not me. There's some people that are way smarter than I am in this room. So even to the person who has the highest IQ in this room this morning, may I just tell you, Satan's still smarter than you are. He's more powerful than you are. And apart from having the Holy Spirit of God living within you, Satan would crush and devour and spit you out today if he could. But if you know Jesus, he can't do that because the Holy Spirit lives within you. Satan is antichrist. Satan is antichrist. Why is he our enemy? Because he's everything that Christ is not. Satan hates Jesus. And we know of the tremendous war that's ongoing between Jesus and Satan. And we've learned how Satan tried to tempt and destroy Jesus in the wilderness. That's recorded for us in the Gospels. But that war has not ended. He tried to destroy Jesus at his birth by killing all the baby boys. He tried to destroy Jesus out in the wilderness. And today, this day, he's still trying to figure out how he can defeat Jesus. But I want you to also notice that Satan is also anti-Semitic. He is anti-Semitic. Satan hates the Jewish people. I love Jesus and I love the Jews. And you should say that as well. If for no other reason than the fact that Satan hates them, I'm going to choose to love them. And if you were to study the history of God's chosen people, you would find out that they have endured satanically inspired persecution and atrocities for thousands of years. I encourage you to read about the history of the Jewish people. The Jews have been enslaved and persecuted and killed under Pharaoh and under Nebuchadnezzar and under Alexander the Great, under Nero, under the Roman, uh, under the Roman Empire, under the Turks and the Ottoman Empire, under Russia, and especially by the Germans. And and sadly, the Middle East is the culprit today. And one of the blackest days in Christian history is what we call the Crusades. By the way, no one teaches this in school anymore. It's a lost 
history to your children and to your grandchildren today. How we ought to hang our head in shame and in modern times, anti-Semitism has reached epidemic proportions and you think of Hitler and the death camps and the gas ovens and if the Holocaust doesn't move, move you to have compassion for Israel, I don't know what it would take to, to, for you to have compassion for Israel. Think of that little nation today, a few million Jews surrounded by a few hundred million Arabs. They would love to see Israel driven into the sea and wiped off the face of the earth. In fact, in Arab nations today, if they go to school and they study history, the nation of Israel is not even on their maps. And most of the maps, Arab nations, they do not even recognize Israel and they don't want even a mention of Israel. How would you like to go to the supermarket not knowing if a bomb is going to go off? How would you like uh, to live getting on a bus and not knowing if any second that bus would explode with some horrible explosion? There was a man named Stanley Fish and he wrote an article and he quotes a Muslim mother after she learned of her son's success in killing himself, blowing himself up and 10 Jews. Let me quote something that I find very heartbreaking this morning. This is the quote from the mother, quote, because I love my son, I encouraged him to die a martyr's death for the sake of Allah. Jihad is a religious obligation encumbered upon us and we must carry it out. I sacrifice Muhammad, that's her son's name, as a part of my obligation. And I ask Allah to give me 10 Israelis for Muhammad. And Allah granted my request. And Muhammad made his dream come true, killing 10 Israeli settlers and soldiers. Our God honored him even more in that there were many Israelis wounded. End of quote. What mother would write that about her child. What mother would be so proud that her son murdered innocent people? Folks, that's the day we live right now. Don't you just know that Satan with glee is proud of all of those who follow a dead prophet by the name of Allah? What's the mother saying here? I'm so proud that my son was able to kill 10 Israelis and injure many more. My heart aches for a mother that would even say something like that and how distorted her reasoning is. Who inspired all that? Where does this hatred come from? May I just tell you it's the diabolical dreadful dragon and his name is Satan. He's real. Moms and dads, no, K-N-O-W, K-N-O-W, no. Every second, what your children are watching on television. Know what your children are looking at on social media. Know what your children are reading in their books. Know when you allow your children to go out, what movie they're watching and what is going to be shown in that movie. We like for our children just to behave. They're out of my hair, they're quiet, and the devil knows that he can destroy your child's mind with perverseness, wickedness, hatred. I encourage you to know what your children are watching. Make no mistake, Satan is the Antichrist. 
He's anti-Semitic. And you read it right here in the word of God. And I love Israel because Satan hates Israel. And that's one of the reasons I love Israel. Whatever Satan loves, I hate. And whatever Satan hates, I love. And that ought to be our testimony this morning. And truth number one is simply this. Israel is highly favored. It is a nation that's highly favored by God. But just as God highly favors Israel, because of the ongoing war, Satan, he hates Israel. God loves Israel. Satan hates Israel. And uh, I think we ought to recognize that's 2022. That's not back during the Holocaust. That's not during World War I. That's not during the ancient times when there's all the battles going on in the, uh, in the Bible. That's today. Right now, at this very moment, Satan is trying to destroy Israel. Keep your eye on what's going on in Israel. It's a precursor of things to come. And folks, my challenge to you this morning is simply this. Don't dabble with the things of Satan. Don't watch the things of Satan. Don't allow the things of Satan to enter your soul and your spirit. Don't become enamored with the power of Satan. He wants to defeat you, devour you, discourage you, and then ultimately he wants to destroy you. And if you try to stand up to Satan, you welcome Satan, you allow these things to come into your home, into your car, into your vehicle, guess who's going to win? Satan. Folks, we must put a hedge of protection around our family through prayer, keeping the devil out. I pray every single day for a list of people, every single day. And then I pray for all of you once a week by name. Every single day, I ask God to keep a hedge of protection around a number of people that I pray for by name specifically. And I ask God, please do not allow, and I even hate to say it out loud, but I want to teach you something this morning that you can also do. I ask my heavenly father to keep a hedge of protection around my family. All of my family members are named. And here's how I pray. Lord, would you please allow there to be no satanic influence, no satanic temptation, no satanic oppression, no satanic depression, and no satanic attack. I pray those five specific things every single day of my life for my family. I don't want the devil around my family. You know what? He can go bother the Arabs all he wants to, but not my family. I'm going to protect my family through prayer. I can't be in Texas, and I can't be in Phoenix, and I can't be uh, uh, where uh, Pastor Jonathan and his wife live all the time, and I can't be there to be a physical protector, but I don't have to be because there's one who's much more powerful than me, and that's Jesus Christ, who says, if I come to him, that he ever makes intercession on my behalf, and so I pray for my family. So here's the lesson today. Just looking at our first two truths is that God loves Israel, Satan hates Israel, and Satan's going to do anything he can to destroy anyone who loves Israel. So would you pray for your family and your friends? 